0: Hello, hello, hello humans of the Twin Cities of Minnesota, of the Midwest, of America, of the world. Maybe we've got some people outside our like continental U.S. listening to my voice. Hello, happy Monday. That's Ellie Krug with Ellie 2.0 Radio. I'm here. And I'm happy. I am happy. Um, you may recall that we have to tape this show. So you're going to hear this like a little late and it's going to be like, well, big deal. But I'm happy because we are talking about a blue Monday. So not like a blue sad Monday, but a blue Monday where something good happened um, at the midterm elections. Although we're still waiting as I'm taping this show on Florida and Georgia recounts. We'll see. I actually have a daughter who's gone down to Florida to be involved with those recounts. Okay. All right. So I'm thrilled to be talking to you. Um, we have a phenomenal show with the theme of helping the invisible, those those whom society has cast away, the people that America imprisons. Um But before I do that, I want to do a a quick shout out to the listeners who attended my public um, gray area thinking human inclusivity event that happened on November 5th. I'll talk more about that at the end of the show, but I want to thank you, those who came. I want to thank you for coming. I'm very grateful about that. New listeners. Okay, so regular listeners, you know what's coming right now, so just bear with me. Hello, new listeners. Welcome. I'm happy that you are here. You may be wondering, why does Ellie Krug sound like a man? And the reason for that is I'm one of the relatively few transgender radio hosts in the world. Regular listeners, you can... I just maybe only have to just say fill in the blank and regular listeners, you can say that. But new new listeners, that's why it's different. But, you know, it's okay. At least from what I'm hearing from our listeners, it's all right. They like me, I'm, and I'm very grateful for that. So, in my block A, the block that we're in right now, I highlight a fa- you know I highlight someone who's an idealist. You know, usually historical fi- figure, but sometimes contemporary. But today's hi- idealist is a famous singer whom you might not consider an idealist at all. That's, and the singer is Johnny Cash the man in black mega star. he sold over 90 million records um, before he died in uh, 2003 many are familiar with Johnny Cash's album live from Folsom prison Um, but there's a huge backstory about Cash earnestly wanting to reform prisons and about him befriending prisoners I don't like that phrase prisoner frankly I like to call them confined humans because that's exactly what they are some people aren't I mean People go to prison because they've committed crimes most of the time. There are some innocent people who are in prison, and I want to make sure that I understand that. And for those of you who have been wronged and and who have been the victim of a crime, I do not want to diminish you in in any way. However, uh, many of those uh, confined humans uh, are set to come out and at some time or another. Some never to come out, ever, because of the heinousness of their crimes. But for those who are to come out, the question is what kind of people will come out because of the way the system is. Johnny Cash's advocacy for prisoners, for the prison, reforming the prison system, began when he was in the Air Force as a radio operator. Um, He was 21 years old. He saw a film inside the walls of Folsom Prison. And that inspired Cash then to write Folsom Prison Blues. Here it is just to give you a reminder. I hear the train a coming, it's rolling around the bend, and I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when. I'm stuck in Folsom prison and time keeps dragging on. Okay, well there you go. That's a hint and that was Johnny Cash's very first very first big hit. It landed him on the on the on the platform, and it also, um, and it also marked him as a man of having empathy for confined humans. Um, Johnny Cash actually never served any time in prison, and notwithstanding Folsom Prison Blues, singing about killing a man in Reno, that never happened. Although there's there was common belief that 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 had happened actually. All that Johnny Cash did at all—I mean, putting quotation marks around that—was that he served some time in jail for drunkenness and disorderly conduct. Still, um, as a result of Folsom Prison Blues, Cash began to receive invitation to perform in prisons. Um, Cash then played his first uh, concert in a prison at the Huntsville State Prison in Texas in 1957. He played many, many more prison. Um, gigs throughout his 30-year career, and he always did that incredibly for free, always. Um, and in fact, when Cash's Johnny Cash's career started to slide in the mid-1960s, he was abusing drugs and alcohol greatly. There were uh, record albums very reluctant to uh, sign him. It was in uh, 1968 that he recorded an album at the the album titled At Folsom Prison that reignited his career. Now, Cash's identification with confined humans wasn't transitory or by convenience. He saw who those people were, um, and uh, you'll hear um, an interview that I'm gonna do with another prison reform advocate about the need to see confined humans, to see them as human. And Cash saw that, and um, he earnestly believed johnny cash earnestly believed in the power of redemption the power that people can come around that they can make something positive out of a negative situation a negative experience um and uh i and 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 because of his work in prisons and because of talking to prisoners and and cash uh, correspondent he he wrote in letters with prisoners because of that um he became to understand about abusive prison conditions i mean we're talking about abuse where there was murder and corruption and which led to high rates of recidivism and by the late 1960s Um, The civil rights movement had finally grown to include confined humans and Cash felt that his fame, where he was in the late 1960s, allowed him, gave him license to talk about prison reform. Some of the worst prisons in the United States were in Cash's home state of Arkansas. And in 1970, a federal court declared Arkansas's entire penal system unconstitutional. Consider that—that that the whole system was totally a failure. Cash um, became involved with the Arkansas prison system at that point, and and uh, he developed a relationship with the then governor Winthrop Rockefeller. Um, in fact, uh, Rockefeller was a Republican, Cash was a Democrat, but Cash had campaigned on behalf of Rockefeller for re-election in the late uh, 1960s because Rockefeller promised prison reform. Um, Cash actually challenged Rockefeller to mi- mi- meet, match Cash's uh, contribution of $5,000 for a prison chapel at the Cummins State Prison in Arkansas. Rockefeller met that challenge and that, pri- that prison chapel still exists. In 1972, uh, Cash appeared before a US Senate uh, committee to talk about prison reform. So you got Johnny Cash there, a famous Johnny Cash, the man in black, um, speaking before um, um, Senators, Cash was in black as he was doing that, relaying conversations he had about the prison at Cummins in in Arkansas and other prisons that he had been at. And when he testified before the Senate, he gave uh, senators, he didn't just talk about abhorrent conditions, but he also offered suggested reforms, such as uh, separating first-time offenders from hardened criminals, such as reclassifying offenses to keep minor offenders out of prison, such as focusing on rehabilitation rather than on punishment. Cash testified at the hearing that people have got to care for prison reform to come about by the time cash died in twenty o three at age seventy one cash had humanized america's confined human population so in the end it wasn't all just about a song but instead it was about seeing people who needed to be seen you know um, uh... coming up i will speak with uh... uh um, a prison reform uh, person from Wisconsin, Tonin O'Connor, um, who also happens to be a Zen Buddhist teacher. And I will tell you, this idea of seeing people in prison, of recognizing the need to treat them as humans, I know many of them have committed horrific crimes. But you know what? A very large percentage of people are in prison for nonviolent crimes, for crimes involving drugs or property um, destruction of some type, for crimes that don't harm any humans in terms of physical or emotional violence. We, as people, need to take the example of Johnny Cash. We need to communicate with those folks. You may remember um, um, on this show previously I've had uh, Father Harry Hartigan, um, an apostolic priest who's been going up to Moose Lake and to St. Peter to talk with the sex offenders. Many of those people who committed sex offences, offenses decades ago, but are still uh, within Minnesota's penal system, even though Moose Lake's, in theory, is a civil a system for uh, civil uh, commitments but remember one of the things that father harry talked about is that is that what you can do is engage in a correspondence with a prisoner to just give them some kind of outside contact to give them some ability to have communication with the quote unquote normal world i would ask that you consider that and think about that as you go forward. And if you want, email me at lejkrug at and I will put you in touch with Father Harry or with Tonin and Connor, who's coming up uh, soon, and you'd be able to have an ability to um, c- connect with them and figure out how to do mailings. You're listening to me, Ellie Krug, on Ellie 2.0 Radio on uh, AM 950. If you like what you hear, visit my website at EllieKrug.com. Sign up for my newsletter, The Ripple. And here we go, more Johnny Cash. Always be a good boy, don't ever play with guns, but I shot a man in Reno. Just to watch him die
1: when I hear that
0: was- At Pride Institute, being LGBTQ plus is the norm, not the exception. Their highly trained and skilled staff understand your issues and will help you live a happy, healthy life as a proud LGBTQ plus person. They offer you hope to overcome your addiction and live the life you want. Their treatment programs are designed to assist you in developing the knowledge, skills, and attitudes for long-term recovery. Therapy groups include health education, LGBTQ issues, HIV and chronic illness, trauma, grief and loss, transgender support, nicotine recovery, education, and sexual health. Pride Institute offers a residential treatment program, a partial hospitalization program that includes day programming with lodging, and an intensive outpatient program. If you or someone in your life can benefit from guidance and coping skills, life balance, and other tools necessary for long-term recovery, check them out at pride-institute.com or call 800-547-7433 now. Hi, I'm
1: Dr. Scott Shamblott from Shamblott Family Dentistry. where the fear-free, get-you-out-of-pain-now dental office. And I'm Rachel Shamblott. Did you know a lot of people are afraid of the dentist? You don't need to be afraid of my dad. He makes going to the dentist comfortable and even fun. We don't care if
0: you're a dental regular or haven't seen a dentist in years. We just want to make you comfortable and get you out of pain.
1: If you don't see my dad, please see another dentist. Take care of your teeth because they're the only ones you get. Call 1-800-FIXMYTEETH or visit fixmyteeth.us. Native Earth Radio is proud to announce we're adding an extra hour. One hour's too fast. That's right, Uncle Curtis.
0: Great. More time for me to share important information about our sacred animals.
1: And report national Native news with reporters all around the country, Saturdays from 1 to 3 p.m. We are awake. Find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and streaming live on Facebook.
0: Hello, this is Ellen Krug from Hidden Edges Radio. When I'm not on the radio, I'm standing in front of audiences training about diversity and inclusion and on how to be welcoming to others who are different from us. More than ever, employers and organizations need professional diversity and inclusion training. I can offer that training through my company, Human Inspiration Works, LLC. I'd love to make your workplace or organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. And, she was in the grass. and we are back on AM 950 LE 2.0 Radio. Johnny Cash, i just got to tell you, the man in black, but I bet you didn't know everything I just told you about him and about his work on prison reform. And so that does bring us to the big interview um, and another person who is not afraid about taking on the prison system. Um, and about uh, the value of humans within that system. I've got a guest here on online right now, Tonin O'Connor from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Tonin, are you there? I'm right here. Hi, Tonin. Welcome to LE 2.0 Radio on AM 950. I'm thrilled to have you on the show. Okay, thank you so much. So, Tonin, I, um, a little backstory for the listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I are relatively new friends. I met you over the summer... Uh, at uh, at a Zen center in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, just by happenstance, and again by happenstance, you were you um, thought it would worthy to bring me to Milwaukee um, to speak at a number of different venues, and I did that last week, and you and I got a chance to get to know each other better. You are a um, you are a Zen teacher in Milwaukee. Do I have yep. that right? That's correct. Okay, and. <laughs> But before that, you you had a very long career in theater, theater management in particular, and mm-hmm. you were for, what, 20 years the executive director of the Milwaukee Repertory Theater. Is that right? Yeah.
1: Actually, I'm 21, I suppose, but yeah, yes, indeed.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And, and, and it was uh, during the course of a theater exchange, if I have that right, when you went over to Japan in uh, 1982, where you discovered... Um, zen buddhism and do you want to bring us up to uh, speed on on how that shaped your world view after that
1: okay well i i did i just stumbled into it i wasn't really looking for uh anything particular i knew nothing about buddhism i wasn't especially searching but uh having spent the night in a zen temple with a friend as a sort of a tourist i was so struck by it that i came back to examine you know what that was all about and it struck two chords. One was that at that time I was looking to try to understand what this is. I mean, what's going on here, really? Um, because I had sort of just was approaching middle age, I discovered mortality, and it seemed important to understand what's happening. And the other one was that in the theater, our major focus is on creating empathy. You know, you're, you're very busy putting People on stage that other people have never seen or met and hoping that they will connect with that. So the bridge to the Buddhist understanding of being together, of interdependence, was very natural. Um, So I came back and I read for four years. I'm a little slow. Um, And then in 1986, I actually began practicing.
0: Okay. And then for a number of years, you were the... um uh, the resident teacher at the Milwaukee Zen Center, is that right?
1: That's right. From 2001 when my my teacher left to uh, go uh, to Alaska, to a group there. So for, uh, from 2001 to 2011, I was the resident teacher.
0: Okay, and, and listeners, you'll recall that I'm also Buddhist, I'm also Zen Buddhist, so um, it's just actually quite an honor to have um, Tonin here on the show. Um, because um, Tonin is a, a Buddhist of great stature uh, here in, in the Midwest. And, and Tonin, uh, I want to now pivot because part of this show is about seeing people who are unseen as Johnny, Johnny Cash saw confined mm-hmm. humans. Um, and, and advocated uh, for more humane treatment and, uh, and reform of the prison system. Uh, you too have have gone into the prison system in Wisconsin to to talk to the unseen, to talk to people who are thought of lesser. And will you share with our audience your work um, in Wisconsin because it started very slowly and it has it is now building um, ahead of steam.
1: Well, <clears throat> It began excuse me, it began way back in nineteen ninety eight when uh, an inmate at Green Bay Correctional, which is a maximum security prison, you know, wrote a letter to the Zen Center asking about Buddhism, and of course, I answered, and then came the uh thing, would you come visit? I had never thought anything much about visiting prisons, or I suppose, like most of the rest of us, about the people that are incarcerated there. I did make the visit, of course, and from that grew uh, pastoral visits, uh, then visits with a second inmate who was someone that he knew, who actually he's still incarcerated, and I know him quite I've known him all these years since. But uh, finally, we had a group there, and that's how it began. Uh, to my kind of total surprise, I loved doing it because <clears throat> when you're meeting someone in that situation, they I don't know, you know the old phrase, they've got their tail in a crack, but but the point is they have they really have their backs up against the wall, and they want to understand. So there's not much chit-chat going on, of any kind, <laughs> uh, you know, and so when we, <clears throat> I'm sorry, I haven't talked to much to anybody yet this morning. Um, so in encountering them, either in pastoral visits or our group sessions, there was kind of terrific interchange, and it I found I just loved it, and I got also to re- to know people and kinds of people I might not have encountered otherwise and the um and and, and,
0: Tony, and the exchanges were about what about them understanding their circumstances was, better understanding understanding compassion because Zen Buddha's compassion is core to
1: the work yep. that uh, we both do well I think was. A trigger somebody once asked to me, "What in the world can you offer them as a Buddhist?" And I thought about it and I thought, "Oh, I offer impermanence, change, because these people are locked into a system that, particularly in Wisconsin, where we have far too many people incarcerated. I mean, far many more than say in Minnesota. Uh, we have one of the largest sort of populations per capita in the U.S. Um, it's too big to be flexible." or at least it can only be very little flexible. So you're stuck with who you were with the mistake that brought you in. And so when I would come in and I say, well, you know, everything changes and you're going to change. You'd see this light go on because they thought, and I'd say, and you're an active participant in that change. We all are. It's not that everything is permanent and interlocked without us. We're in it. So... What was being offered was an opportunity to see differently, to maybe respond differently, mm-hmm. in a in an enormously uh, negative uh, situation. In fact, you'll hear uh, we I ended up I say well I really I edited and actually the Department of Corrections allowed us to publish a book called Buddha's Behind Bars, which is the autobiographical accounts of three men who are in prison for major. Uh, crimes violent crime you know not just putting your hand in the cookie jar uh, but about the change that had occurred to them and the fact that they were making a way for their lives there in what I kept hearing again and again and again and you will hear today and everything is negativity in here everything is negative all of the other people here are negative. The guards pick it up and they're negative. You know, it goes on. So to try to make a life there, um, was really what we worked on and okay. they'd bring in things that had happened, you know, and how they dealt, dealt with them or not. <clears throat> so uh, it's, to me, it's very important to understand that we have people, real people, um, Inside our prison system, and once you start knowing people in prison, you begin to realize there are hundreds of thousands of friends, relatives, nieces, nephews, wives, ex-wives, children out here who are connected as well. You know, Um, and it. But the important thing I think to me is that people, particularly in this state, we have a thing called. Truth in sentencing, which means there's no such thing as parole, until you have uh, you have served every last second of the sentence you were given. So there's very little positive incentive uh, for positive change within our system. In any case, um, you know we we just lock them away and forget about it. Right. And and yet I've made I have such respect for a lot of the people I've met in there. Many of whom have made made hideous mistakes. So, Ton- Destructive mistakes. so, Tonin,
0: I want to talk more about this, but we need to uh, take a break. Okay. Sure. And when we come back, I want to talk more about your work and um, maybe share a little bit about the stats as it relates to the prison system in the United States. Uh, this is Ellie Krug. I've been speaking with Tonin O'Connor, um, a Zen Buddhist teacher doing important work in the prison system in Wisconsin. When we come back from our break, we'll speak more with Tonin. Hope that uh, you like what you hear and if you do, visit my website at elliecrude.com. We'll be back in a minute. Thank you. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. Enjoy the tradition of the Thanksgiving buffet at the Park Tavern. Come enjoy the feast on the 22nd. Roast turkey with stuffing, potatoes and gravy, cranberry sauce, salad sides, and the delicious desserts. And don't forget the hour of free bowling. Seatings are from 11 till 3, but because of the popularity, you'll need reservations. 2095 for adults, seniors 1495, kids 6 to 12, 1095, and 5 and younger are free. Call 952-929-6810 or go to parktavern.net. This Thanksgiving, be thankful for the Park Tavern, Louisiana Avenue, north of Highway 7 in St. Louis Park. Hello, this is Ellen Krug from Hidden Edges Radio. When I'm not on the radio, I'm standing in front of audiences training about diversity and inclusion and on how to be welcoming to others who are different from us. More than ever, employers and organizations need professional diversity and inclusion training. I can offer that training through my company, Human Inspiration Works, LLC. I'd love to make your workplace or organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. It's just a few weeks before winter officially settles in. Is your home ready for the holidays? Now is the perfect time to get your entire home zero resified by the cleaning heroes at Zero Res. Get 3 rooms clean starting at just 149 bucks. You can also get
1: $50 off your air duct cleaning when you call 9520res, 9520res, or book online anytime at zeroresmn.com. Zero Res, spell it backward or forward, it spells the same.
0: At Pride Institute, being LGBTQ plus is the norm, not the exception. Their highly trained and skilled staff understand your issues and will help you live a happy, healthy life as a proud LGBTQ plus person. They offer you hope to overcome your addiction and live the life you want. Their treatment programs are designed to assist you in developing the knowledge, skills, and attitudes for long-term recovery. Therapy groups include health education, LGBTQ issues, HIV and chronic illness, trauma, grief and loss, transgender support, nicotine recovery, education and sexual health. Pride Institute offers a residential treatment program, a partial hospitalization program that includes day programming with lodging and an intensive outpatient program. If you or someone in your life can benefit from guidance and coping skills, life balance, and other tools necessary for long-term recovery, check them out at pride-institute.com or call 800-547-7433 now. With your AIM-950 weather, I'm Sam Turnberg. Today will be mostly cloudy with a high near 29. Tonight's partly cloudy with a low around 13. Tomorrow, partly sunny with a high near 31. Wednesday, mostly sunny with a high near 33. And Thanksgiving, mostly sunny with a high near 42. The Eat Local Minnesota Restaurant of the Week is the Great Wall. Specializing in Sichuan and Peking dishes, they offer one of the most extensive Chinese menus in the Twin Cities. Just north of 50th and France in Edina. And see the full menu at greatwallrestaurant.us
1: my soul gets it right is any you would ever
0: reset kind of i call on the resting soul of Galileo King of and kingdom and we are back on LA 2.0 radio, radio, radio on AM 950 before we broke uh we were speaking with uh, Tonan O'Connor a zen buddhist priest from milwaukee um and tonin has been doing some very incredible work in the wisconsin prison system by going in and speaking with i think uh, the phrase would be hardcore tonin before we broke you were talking about how oppressive uh the wisconsin prison system is um and i have some stats here um so are you ready for them yep So, um, and I'm sure you're well familiar, but our audience might not be, that as we speak right now, there are approximately 2.3 million people in America's prisons and jails. Um, And out of that 2.3, one in five people is in just simply for drugs. I mean, that just kind of blows you away. Yeah. 600,000 people languishing behind bars because of a drug offense. And, of course, um, you and I have talked about this off-air, which is that blacks make up 40% of the confined humans in prisons and jails right now, but they're only 13% of the U.S. population. And then um, the last thing, which is really kind of blows you away, that America's incarceration rate is the highest in the world. We incarcerate 716 people per 100,000. Um, we have 4.4% of the world's population, but we house 22% of the world's confined humans. And that's taking into account the oppressive regimes of, of countries like Miramar and, and uh, North Korea and Saudi Arabia, all of those things. And, and it's just unbelievable. Um, that America, that's our resort our resort is to put you in jail rather than to try and work with you um, so so Tonin, before we broke um, you were talking about the work in Wisconsin and and uh, uh, you, you are, you're no longer going into the prisons or are you still doing that on a select basis?
1: Um, I was doing it on a select basis until about three years ago but I've I found I have back problems, and I've gotten very old, that the long-distance driving was tough, but in the meantime, what's happened is that the Milwaukee Zen Center has now, uh, in what we call its program, um, eight different Buddhist teachers, different Buddhist traditions, and not all based in Milwaukee, some are based in other cities, that are going now to offer programming in 14 uh, state institutions, Um, So that the whole – I'm really very happy because it's not dependent on me anymore. I do a little coordinating. I keep a mailing list for the quarterly uh, newsletter that we uh, send out, which features writing by uh, members of the Buddhist prison sanghas. Uh, It's edited by an inmate at Kettle Moraine Correctional Center. Uh, institution in fact it was his idea 12 years ago and for 12 years we've been doing this so i do those things and i write to people i have several inmates involved in a correspondence course we're doing co-on study um but i'm no longer personally going in what's really good is this now doesn't depend on me it'll go on hopefully long after i've disappeared
0: right right of course And there's there's
1: also quite a lot of this i know a, a number of not only uh, the, the Christian ministry has has really stepped forward um, in this kind of work in a very good way, and I know a number of Buddhists, um, Buddhist teachers who are going inside the prison system. Uh, so it's people are working at it.
0: Right, and the, the Minnesota Zen Meditation Center uh, on Lake Hill, who and where I belong, um, we've had folks going into the youth yeah. correction centers and the mm-hmm. youth lockups to talk to youth about Buddhism. And... Really, much all of this work, though, is around seeing humans, about yeah. these folks who, the confined humans, are not seen by our society. Um, and uh, as Johnny Cash tried to make clear, that uh, these are humans, these are real people, mm-hmm. and uh, many of them are eventually going to come back to society. The question is, will they come back um, hating everyone, or will they come back understanding that the world is is filled with, with people that need compassion and that we need compassion for ourselves. And and I know that that's part of what you're teaching about compassion. And can mm-hmm. you talk about how difficult it is to get people who maybe have never understood, never felt loved, um, come from backgrounds that you and I could probably only imagine for backgrounds of, of upbringings?
1: Well, oddly enough, it isn't difficult in a certain sense, I'm trying to choose my words carefully here, because what I found is people are so hungry for respect. Yes. So if you give that, there is a huge response. Um, it It isn't as though there are some in the prison system that are so, people who are so vicious, they should never be let out. Let me be clear. Right. But... For for those that would come to these Buddhist groups, uh, you found very quickly that if you saw them, they would see you. And there were a lot of silent sort of cries of hurrah uh, going on in all of that. And so their problem was, though, it was all fine within, you know, the meeting we would have. And they'd come from different units and they felt safe there different races different gangs from the system but when they got out back into that roiling sea of huge negativity uh people who um were thinking only of how awful things were then it was very tough for them um so the issue really was that i'm very proud of the people who've managed to swim in that sea and turn themselves into actually remarkable mentors within the system okay um it's the but it's odd that you'd think some people are so damaged yes but if they show up on your doorstep saying i'm interested you know there's an opening there
0: for sure well let me ask you i mean have you ever reached out to the administration to te- to treat to to um train yes. train uh, prison guards prison administrators on buddhism yeah
1: yep, i have um i served for a great many years and i just stepped back a couple of years ago, although I still listen in by telephone to the meetings on what's called the religious practices advisory committee uh, of the department of corrections here in the state. And it was people from every possible faith include, and then, um, program directors, chaplains, you know, from the system itself. And we would meet twice a year and we were able to both produce material for officer training. The director of that particular uh, program on the state side, um, kelly um i'm I'm embarrassed i can't think of her last name i should know i've known her for years anyway kelly is fabulous and she has done trainings for officers about dealing with religious diversity uh, on a fairly consistent basis i personally have had the chance to go out a few times uh, and meet with uh, groups of um, either chaplains or in some cases program directors uh, to talk about not only Buddhism but Eastern religions in general, uh, and I feel I could be completely wrong, but that there has been over—you know—it's been 20 years—something of a shift in the understanding of that. Um, it's it's tough because the, both the inmates who come in and the correctional officers who take the jobs often haven't a clue about any of this, and um, the chaplains. I have great respect for the prison chaplains because you know, their job is to support every kind of religious understanding, not necessarily just their own. And they really struggle, uh, the best of them, to make it possible. I've only met one or two, really only one obstructive chaplain. I've met so many that were so helpful. Um, but it's, I mean, we have 22,000 people in the system here. You know it's it's tough
0: for sure i i bet it is now tonin you're also i mean is it all right if we let the audience know i mean you're 86 years old
1: I sure mean, it's all you, right
0: you have what have
1: i got, to, what have you,
0: I got to? you have the but you have the energy i mean you have the energy of half a person, a person half your age. I mean, the things that you are involved in, the things that you are doing, and and you are, I mean, you ha- are working on a project about solitary confinement. You've yes. created a video called Liked an, Like an Animal in a Cage. And if people Google that, they can come up with, they can find that video, is that right?
1: They can find it on YouTube. And what they should know is that it's a staged reading, if you will, all the people on that stage, are, you know, they're amateurs, uh, playing correctional officers, and a number of wonderful people who are uh, former, formerly incarcerated, playing inmates. Um, this the, the solitary confinement system here in this state has been excessively used, and is excessively punitive, and it's damaged a great many people. So, uh, once I was no longer a permanent volunteer, which meant I was treated like an employee of the Department of Corrections. I found myself able to be more, I suppose you'd say, politically active, <laughs> working with a wonderful a wonderful group here in Wisconsin called Wisdom that has chapters all over the state. And one of Wisdom's thrusts is to try to correct a whole range of um, things that are not working within our our system. And I volunteered to serve on the Solitary Confinement Working Group Um because i've I correspond, I, I just got some material from our newsletter uh, last week from a man who's been in solitary confinement here for over twenty two years. Oh my God. Oh my God. So um, it's uh, we're making some progress. Things are, you know easing up a little bit. but um, it goes back to a law here, this famous truth in sentencing. Because what it meant was, and I had a correctional officer say this to me, none of us in the system like that law. They've taken away all positive reinforcement. Right. It used to be that if you behaved well and you took the programs and you kept your nose clean, you might get a little easement or an earlier parole or benefits. It was all taken away. If you've got to serve your 10 years no matter what, who cares? In terms of, you know, you behave well or you don't behave well. And it's been very, very difficult. And so what happened, and that's a number of years ago, under the aegis of our, thank heavens, former governor. um, The the whole thing, you know, had to swing toward punitive action. In order to, in a sense, keep order. Um, And hopefully this is going to change some over time now. Um, But... um, I hope people will will go, you you know, it's on YouTube, and take a look at Like an Animal in a Cage, because every word there is from letters that I received from inmates who are either writing from solitary or who had experienced solitary.
0: Well, Tonin, um, I could sit here and interview you for all afternoon, but unfortunately, we've run out of time. I just wanna tell you that um, I wanna just say thank you. Um, Thank you, of course, for the work that you're doing in wisconsin for confined humans um, thank you for the work that you're doing as a zen buddhist teacher but i also want to thank you for how you've believed in my work and believed in ellie krug um, i went to milwaukee i did seven trainings um... spoke to a couple hundred different people all because you believed in me and thank you for that i really really appreciate that
1: well it wasn't hard <laughs>
0: All right. Well, (laughs) thanks, Tonin. I've been speaking with Tonin O'Connor from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, a Zen Buddhist teacher. When we come back from our break, I will do my last block about my work. Thank you. At Pride Institute, being LGBTQ plus is the norm, not the exception. Their highly trained and skilled staff understand your issues and will help you live a happy, healthy life as a proud LGBTQ person. They offer you hope to overcome your addiction and live the life you want. Their treatment programs are designed to assist you in developing the knowledge, skills and attitudes for long term recovery. Therapy groups include health education, LGBTQ issues, HIV and chronic illness, trauma, grief and loss, transgender support, nicotine recovery, education and sexual health. Pride Institute offers a residential treatment program, a partial hospitalization program that includes day programming with lodging and an intensive outpatient program. If you or someone in your life can benefit from guidance and coping skills, life balance and other tools necessary for long-term recovery, check them out at pride-institute.com or call 800-547-7433 now.
1: Waking up is easy when you look forward to breakfast. Serve seven days a week at the Downtowner Woodfire Grill in St. Paul. Try eggs your way with hash browns, bacon or sausage. There are four delicious varieties of eggs Benedict that should not be missed. And buttermilk pancakes, waffles or French toaster always fresh off the griddle. How about a Bloody Mary or screwdriver from the bar? The Downtowner Woodfire Grill is located at 253 West 7th Street with plenty of free parking or online at downtownerwoodfire.com. In the process of planning your next event, consider
0: D'Amico Catering. Their team brings extensive experience and knowledge to the table to ensure that your event runs smoothly. With over 20 years of event planning and culinary experience, D'Amico has established their reputation as the Twin Cities' premier
1: caterer. They've been trusted to carry out numerous weddings, corporate functions, and nonprofit fundraisers. D'Amico has the right staff to ensure your event is perfectly executed every time. More at D'AmicoCatering.com.
0: Hello, this is Ellen Krug from Hidden Edges Radio. When I'm not on the radio, I'm standing in front of audiences training about diversity and inclusion and on how to be welcoming to others who are different from us. More than ever, employers and organizations need professional diversity and inclusion training. I can offer that training through my company, Human Inspiration Works, LLC. I'd love to make your workplace or organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you be sure to pick up your copy of this month's natural awakenings magazine a free local guide to a healthier and more balanced life each monthly issue includes timely local national and global stories learn about alternative and complementary medicine nutrition fitness for body and mind personal growth sustainability and much more natural awakenings can be found at area health food store food co-ops and retail locations more information is available at natural twin
1: com. That's natural twin cities.com.
0: And we are back on LA Two point radio on AM nine fifty. Um I don't know if you picked up my reverence for Tonan O'Connor, but um, I've just got to tell you, 86 years old, and what I forgot to ask her about is a quote that came out of Swarthmore um, College, uh, their annual or their weekly or monthly whatever uh, magazine for their graduates, because uh, Tonan is a graduate of Swarthmore. The quote from her was that she has a life filled with life. I thought that that was a really great quote, a life filled with life she's doing incredible work if only i could um even get close so i'm uh thank you tonan thank you so very much all right we're in my c block now um uh i am this is where i talk about my work because the station owner um wants me to do that as a way to inspire and connect with you so um so first let me say as i said at the top of the show we had our first uh, uh my company, Human Inspiration Works, had its first public um, training of gray area thinking open book on Monday, November 5th, and it was a real success. I mean, I was shooting for 120. We had 50. I'll go with that. That was, well, we had 50 plus people. They were engaged. We, we, they were there for two hours. People just stayed fully engaged the entire time. We had some vulnerability Um, And, importantly, we had several listeners in the audience. Thank you, listeners, for coming. I am so appreciative and grateful that you did that. And the commentary on social media after the event seems to show that people found the training impactful. I've been getting questions. Will you do gray area thinking again for the public? And I will. Um, I just need to get um, reorganized about doing that, and we will do that. Remember, I'm an army of one. So let me shift to talk about something that happened to me last week when I was in Milwaukee for three days of trainings at various places. And yes, that was because Tonin O'Connor, who you just heard from, invited me to go to Milwaukee. One of the places where I spoke was at the Milwaukee Repertory Theater, and there I conducted my signature talk, Gray Area Thinking. Now, listeners um, who've heard me speak about this before, you may recall that one of the exercises we do in that game is audience participation, where there's, it's it's called the identity game, where I put signs on the walls representing different identities that we as humans have for ourselves, how we group and label ourselves. You know, those uh, signs are, you know, family, age, race, gender, LGBTQ status. But I have one sign that is education. And I get everybody up. And I ask everybody, I give everybody prompts and I ask about personal identities that people will have. And then I ask them to go stand by signs that represent their identities. For example, one of the prompts is uh, the identity that gives or affords me the most privilege is. And when we have mixed audiences, we see a lot of people who are white go stand by race. Um, and then uh, we have other prompts. Uh, that, um, you know, are the identity I struggle with the most on a day-to-day basis The first prompt we always have is um, This is the prompt, the identity that my parents stressed or emphasized for me as I was growing up And I had an experience in Milwaukee Where where something happened in back-to-back different trainings in different locations that really, really struck me So um, Uh, when I give the prompt, the identity that my parents stressed for me um, as I was growing up, I always have a fair number of people who stand under the sign of education, because here in the Midwest in particular, we have families um, that stress um, education. Well, when I was at the Milwaukee Repertory Theater, I had about 40 or so people in the audience. I gave the prompt, the identity my parents stressed for me, and when I had probably out of 40, I I would guess we had good 15 people standing under education that the education stressed them, and I gave people at the at the repertory theater. I said, "Would anybody like to share why you're under this sign, education?" In response to the prompt, the identity my parents dressed for me, and a black woman raised her hand and came forward, and she talked about growing up in a low-income neighborhood, and and said that her parents pushed her to get an education. And this is listen carefully to what she said. Here's the quote. Because my parents said, quote, no one can ever take that away from you, period, unquote, referring to education. The next day in Milwaukee, I did this very same training, gray area thinking, in a large manufacturing facility near downtown. Did the same training, had the same prompts, and again we we had the prompt, the identity my parents stressed for me as stressed for me as I was growing up. And again, I had a number of people standing under the education sign. And again, I asked, anyone like to share why they're under the sign? And this time, a white woman raised her hand and came forward. And she said, without any prompting by me and and no idea of anything that I had experienced before, she said, and my mother always said to me that education was something that no one could ever take away from me. Unquote. "It was the same exact thing that a black woman the day before had said that education cannot be taken away from us. For me, first of all, that helps always confirm because I point out that education is the great leveler in our society. It is what 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 does work to fix disparities." But it also, these identical words from different humans about not taking, no one can take away education, showed me that, that both of them were attempting to survive the human condition. And it reinforces that we really have so much in common. Unbelievable. I just needed to share that with you. Well, we've hit another show. I hope that you've liked it. I hope that you found it interesting. If you like what you hear, please email me at lejkrug at gmail.com. I need to thank our sponsors, the Pride Institute, which is a drug and alcohol residential and outpatient recovery center, and Brending Electrolysis. Tell Bev uh, that I sent you because Bev does incredibly great work, even though she's in St. Paul, well worth the drive. We need other sponsors. We'd love to have them. Big thanks to my uh, producer, Brett Johnson. You rock, Brett. You are—you literally are the best. And a big thanks to you, listeners. If you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com. Sign up for my, my newsletter, The Ripple. Um, I'm so grateful to have you, and I really appreciate your support and that you push me on. I'll be back to you next week with another group of idealists and work. Thank you so very much.